0: Understand Your Subject My first hint is this. If you want to attain simplicity in preaching, take care that you have a comprehensive knowledge of the subject upon which you are going to preach. I ask for your special attention to this. Of all the five hints I am about to give, this is the most important. Take care, then, that when your text is chosen, you understand it and see right through it, that you know precisely what you want to demonstrate what you want to teach, what you want to establish, and what you want people's minds to take away. If you begin in a fog, you may be guaranteed you will leave your people in darkness. Cicero, one of the greatest ancient orators, said long ago, No one can possibly speak clearly and eloquently about a subject which he does not understand. I am satisfied that he spoke the truth about this. Archbishop Whately was a very shrewd observer of human nature, and he rightly said of a vast number of preachers that "they aimed at nothing and they hit nothing." Like men landing on an unknown island and setting out on a journey of exploration, they set out in ignorance and travelled on in ignorance all the day long. I ask all young ministers especially to remember this first suggestion. I repeat most emphatically, take care that you thoroughly understand your subject. Never choose a text that you do not quite know what it means. Beware of taking obscure passages, such as those which are to be found in unfulfilled and symbolic prophecies. If a man continually preaches to an ordinary congregation about the seals and files and trumpets in Revelation, or about Ezekiel's temple, Predestination, free will, and the eternal purposes of God, it is not surprising to any reasonable mind if he fails to attain simplicity. I don't mean that these subjects should not be handled occasionally, at proper times, and before a suitable audience. All I say is that they are very deep subjects, about which wise Christians often disagree, and it is almost impossible to make them very simple. We ought to see our subjects plainly. If we wish to make them simple, and there are hundreds of plain subjects to be found in God's Word. For the same reason, beware of taking up what I call fanciful subjects and spiritualizing texts, and then dragging meanings out of them which the Holy Spirit never intended to put into them. There is no subject needful for the soul's health which is not plainly taught and set forth in Scripture. This being the case, I think a preacher should never take a text and extract from it, as a dentist would a tooth from a jaw, something that may be true in itself, but is not the plain literal meaning of the inspired words. The sermon may seem glittering and ingenious, and his people may go away saying, What a clever minister we have! But if, on examination, they can neither find the sermon in the text nor the text in the sermon, then their minds are perplexed, and they begin to think the Bible is a deep book that cannot be understood. If you want to attain simplicity, beware of spiritualizing texts. When I speak of spiritualizing texts, let me explain what I mean. I remember hearing of a minister in a northern town who was famous for preaching in this style. Once he gave for his text, He that is so impoverished that he hath no oblation, Chooseth a tree that will not rot. Isaiah 40, 20. Here, said he, is a man by nature impoverished and undone. He has nothing to offer in order to make satisfaction for his soul. And what should he do? He should choose a tree which cannot rot, even the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. On another occasion, being anxious to preach on the doctrine of indwelling sin, he chose his text out of the history of Joseph and his brothers and read the words the old man of whom ye spake is he yet alive genesis 43:27 from this question he ingeniously twisted a discourse about the infection of nature remaining in the believer a grand truth no doubt but certainly not the truth of the passage i trust that such examples will be a warning to all my younger brothers If you want to preach about the indwelling corruption of human nature, or about Christ crucified, you do not need to seek for far-fetched texts as those I have named. If you want to be simple, then choose plain, simple texts. Furthermore, if you wish to present your subjects thoroughly to attain the foundation of simplicity, do not be ashamed of dividing your sermons and stating your divisions. I need hardly say that this is a very disputed question. There is a morbid dread of using firstly, secondly, and thirdly in many quarters. Convention runs strongly against divisions, and I must confess that a lively, undivided sermon is much better than one divided in a dull, stupid, illogical way. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He who can preach sermons that strike and stick without divisions, let him hold on to his way and persevere. But let him not despise his neighbor who divides. All I say is, if we want to be simple, there must be order in a sermon as there is in an army. What wise general would mix up artillery, infantry, and cavalry in one confused mass in the day of battle? What giver of a banquet or dinner would dream of putting on the table all of the courses at once, the soup, the fish, the entrees, the meat, the salads, the sweets, the dessert, in one huge dish? Such a host would surely not be regarded as serving his dinner well. I say it is the same with sermons. By all means let there be order. Order whether you bring out your firstly, secondly, or thirdly, or not. Order whether your divisions are concealed or expressed. Order so carefully arranged that your points and ideas shall follow one another in beautiful regularity like regiments marching past before the queen on a review day in Windsor Park. For my own part, I honestly confess that I do not think I have preached even two sermons in my life without divisions. I find it of the utmost importance to make people understand, remember, and take away what I say, and I am certain that divisions help me to do that also. They are, in fact, like hooks and pegs and shelves in the mind. If you study the sermons of men who have been and are successful preachers, you will always find order and often divisions in their sermons. I am not a bit ashamed to say that I often read the sermons of Mr. Spurgeon. I like to gather hints about preaching from all quarters. David did not ask about the sword of Goliath who made it, who polished it what blacksmith forged it. He said, There is nothing like it, for he had once used it to cut off its owner's head. Mr. Spurgeon can preach most capably, and he proves it by keeping his enormous congregation together. We should always examine and analyze sermons which draw people together. Now, when you read Mr. Spurgeon's sermons, note how clearly and explicitly he divides a sermon and fills each division with beautiful and simple ideas. How easily you grasp His meaning! How thoroughly He brings before you certain great truths that cling to you like hooks of steel, and which, once planted in your memory, you never forget! My first point, then, if you want to be simple in your preaching, is that you must thoroughly understand your subject, and if you want to know whether you understand it, Try to divide and arrange it. I can say for myself that I have done this ever since I have been a minister. For forty five years, I have kept notebooks in which I write down texts and headings of sermons for use when required. Whenever I take a text and see my way through it, I put it down and make a note of it. If I do not thoroughly understand a text, I cannot preach on it, because I know I cannot be simple. If I cannot be simple, I know I had better not preach at all.